Kurt. Hi. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. good. I'm good. Happy one month potiversary. Thanks. Happy potiversary to you too. Thank you. And a potiversary to you. Ooh, yes, you <laughs> good sir. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we've been doing this for over a month now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so far, haven't missed a week. Right. Knock on wood. <laughs> uh, even though things have gone wrong, we haven't missed a week. Yep. Uh, and we launched our Patreon. Yeah. Yeah. Look, we're just trucking along. Yeah. Bit by bit, we keep adding things into our schedule. Yes. How stupid is that? <laughs> yeah. Just it, it's like piling it on until eventually one of us is like, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. You know what was also great is we mm. started all of this right before the major holiday seasons. Yeah. Yeah. Because why do things on easy mode? Let's just sprint into right, it yeah. right i mean was our plan to actually do this much earlier twice yeah. mm-hmm. twice yeah, it was. but uh this is when it's happening yeah well i think so. we both suffer from wanting everything to be exact and perfect and we're both pretty guilty about that so when we finally <laughs> got over that it was september we're like well so yeah and uh if you are listening to this episode on the day it comes out, mm-hmm. we are also releasing our very first audiobook. Yeah, which is my audiobook, so it's Yours. extra special. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little biased. I'm very excited about it. Yes, yes. So uh, that should be, mm-hmm. should be, should be. <laughs> we'll see how this goes. Yes. Uh, dear readers, please be kind if there are difficulties, because yeah. there may be. Um, if all goes as planned, it will be available to our patreon subscribers right away Mm -hmm. right uh at the dear listener level and then it will also be available in our online store at hoofandfangpodcast.com yes yeah we're still building the store so we don't have a link we can sling at you just yet like on air but by the time this airs it'll be you can go snag it right now if you're not one of our patreon people just through our website yes absolutely uh and like just as a rule of thumb if we're like hey this thing is happening and we don't give specifics Mm -hmm. always a good idea to go check the website yeah because there will, call. that really should be like the central hub for all the stuff we do. Mm-hmm. So you should be able to find a link to the thing you want from our website at any given point in time. Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, how's work? Ugh, work is dumb. Work is dumb mm-hmm. and busy. I, it, it, we're slowly creeping into it being like manageable bullshit into me just shutting everyone down like this this past day like when we're recording this podcast i've had just the day from hell like people coming at me last minute things and i finally just had to be like i'm done for the day and just went on like away and just try to go heads down because i'm like i'm juggling all of that nonsense and i'm still like proofing the audio for the audiobook right now Mm -hmm. so i'm like trying to do both things so i have my day structured really strict so i'm like at this time i'm working on like our things and so when people are like, hey, like last minute thing, I'm like, no, talk mm-hmm. to me tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm dead to you, basically. Right. So. Well, and I mean, boundaries like that are important no matter Big what time. the job is, even mm-hmm. if it's not like other things you're working on. Like sometimes you, in a job, you just need time to get the things done that you're yes. supposed to get done. Even. Yeah, like, exactly. Hey, leave me alone so I can get the thing done that you told me to do. Yeah. I was like, we're barely like this. I'm not going to say my company name, but our website is held together with like duct tape and hope. <laughs> so like, if I don't stay on top of things, things are going to start going sideways fast. I was right. like, you have to leave me alone. So yeah, it's, it's been dumb, but like on our side, it's exciting and mm-hmm. I'm having so much fun with it. So like my, part-time well i don't know i don't i don't want to call this like part-time job because it kind of is though it, it kind of is and, and we probably actually should think of it like that yeah shouldn't that's we? probably <laughs> okay yeah it's our 
the part-time job. Mm-hmm. Like since this is still, it, it's ours. So I love it way more and it's shiny and new, like all the stuff that we do for the podcast right now. I'm like, that's what I want to be doing. Right. <laughs> I want to be doing the stuff that pays my bills right now. <laughs> right. So but. yeah. Cut to a year from now when this is what we do full time. And we're like, Oh boy, I wish we could be doing the other things. We like, <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll probably, I, I miss that office work. <laughs> yeah. Right. Or we'll probably have like another side hustle that we started mm-hmm knowing us so we'll be like oh now we're making posters or something oh, God. weird yeah. or something oh, who knows that <laughs> seems strangely prophetic no <laughs> did i just speak it into the oh, universe gosh. no <laughs> oh yeah yeah because the the fun thing is like even though you're listening to this on friday and the book has been released right we are recording it before friday and mm-hmm. the book is still being recorded and proofed and edited and mastered <laughs> yeah Again, us doing things on hard mode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know that there's really any other way to do it. Like, uh, in independent audiobook production, the process moves pretty quickly. Right. Uh, it takes a long time to get scheduled. It takes a long time to prep. But, like, once you're recording, you can turn around the proofing and the editing pretty quickly. Yeah, you know? and that's, that's true. Then you're just waiting around for Amazon to release the darn thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm not, I'm not freaking out about the fact that, like, we, we will finish we i will finish recording yeah like very near the actual like release day Mm -hmm. uh because i know we have the systems and processes in place to be able to turn it around get what we need to get done done right uh, and then it can just go live yeah on our site to our people yeah and be like yeah no here it is it's done done boom yeah so it's 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 a pretty seamless thing that's like you've got your process locked in place and Mm. since i've done proofing before i kind of know like my cadence and how long it takes so yep. it's not too bad. So it doesn't feel nearly as frantic as it could be. Like, I think the first time I proofed for you, I was like freaking out. Right. But yeah, this one, I'm <laughs> yeah. like. Uh, inside yeah. track people. If I've ever told you about my proofer, <laughs> sometimes it was Maz. Yeah, sometimes <laughs> so. it was me. And it's me like, you know, doing my best or researching things and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. But this one, it, again, since it's my own stuff, it's also kind of fine because I get to hear it as like you narrating it, which is always just freaking delight for me so like i always have such a good time with it so i'm sitting there like listening to the story that i wrote mm-hmm. but you're reading it to me and i'm laughing like i've never heard this shit oh, before so that's good yeah it's it's really fun yeah. so i know people will really like it so i'm like yeah I'll it get is it done. it's a very fun book like i just yeah. I, that's what i was thinking about today i was like because of the the scene that i recorded today especially mm-hmm. that you know about yeah um i was like this this woman is batshit crazy and like <laughs> Just like the plot and the things that happen and the scenes that take place sometimes in these books are just so <laughs> stupid. Yeah, I know. It's fun. <laughs> With like three O's. <laughs> stupid. And I love it. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, it's just, it's pure. It's not pure delight and fun because there's also stakes. Yeah. And yeah. There's emotions and, you know, people have the butterflies and they fall in love and the hard eyes and all of it. Right. Um, but it is surrounded by just so much insanity um, that somehow still makes perfect sense in the world of the book that in the, yes, the world that you have created inside this book. Well, good. I'm glad it's at least fun to like read too. Cause I like, I try to keep that in mind when I'm like typing stuff, like I've gotten in my brain now mm-hmm. because I always am optimistic that it's going to be an audiobook that I try to describe people's voices more or like talk about oh, their tones you. and yeah. stuff. Cause I remember when I first started proofing for you, that was like something you said in passing where I was like, why can't they just say they have this accent in the book? Mm-hmm. So I know that kind of stuff. So I'm like, oh, I should make right. sure to say his voice is like right. this or whatever. Yeah. 
or say he has it or he doesn't, especially right. when somebody's from a specific place, then mm-hmm. it's always like, okay, but when did they get to the U.S.? How old were they? How much of right. an accent would they had? And inevitably it leads to like my least favorite instruction ever, which is they have a slight accent. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> What's a slight accent? Right. Like, you either have it or you don't. Yeah. Uh, it's either an accented voice or it's not. And I don't, the slight. That would be tough to do, I would imagine. And, well, and when you try to do it, people mm-hmm. get mad because they're like, this isn't a real accent. And it's like, no, you're right. It's a heavily altered accent because I was instructed to make it slight. Yeah. Like almost unnoticeable. Right. But also for it to be there. So it's more like an affectation more than it is an accent. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, audiobook listeners don't like that from what I remember of reviews. That makes <laughs> they, sense. They don't care for the slight affectation. They either want an accent or no accent. They want it to make sense. I totally get that. Yeah, that makes sense. I guess I never really thought, like, because I think of things as page. So I'm like, yeah, it's like in my brain, he has like just a kiss of an accent. I'm like, well, to your point, how the, the hell fuck do you does that? that mean? Yeah, exactly. A downplayed yeah. accent, I guess. But yeah. Right. Commits. We right. should commit. Which, of course, is something that happens in real life. Like somebody will get to a country, they will have a pronounced accent and Mm -hmm. then over time they will get better at the language and the accent will soften. Right. That all makes sense in the real world. Yeah. We're not talking about the real world. No. We're talking about an audiobook that has to make sense to a listener who's not watching the the words go by on a page. Mm Mm-hmm. So rant over. Yeah. Well, that's a good one. That's (laughs) like, this is informative. Like things I have learned just from working with you of Mm -hmm. like. Things that are annoying or hard to pull off or mm-hmm. just something that hits the ear wrong be- between the, you right. know, the page and the ear. So. Speaking of annoying. Mm-hmm. Dinosaur names. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. They can be kind of you fucking bitch. tricky. I know. Do you know in one sentence you put like four different dinosaur names? Well, that sounds like me. Like, <laughs> do you know what that means for me? A lot that of means, going, oh. that means I have to go listen to all four of them and mm-hmm. remember them long enough to say them all in one sentence. Yeah. So I'm sitting in my booth like an asshole, <laughs> like <laughs> listening to these names repeated again and again <laughs> and again. And sometimes I have to find the right clip because sometimes like you find clips of people saying them and they're not consistent. Right. So you have to go through like seven to see the one that was most popular. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, wait, which one was most popular? And you go back and you listen to all seven again and you're like, okay, this is how I see you, like, you t- tab over yeah. and go, I've lost every memory right. of this like, I, don't, I don't know what, like, Demetrodon, mm-hmm. or is it Demetrodon, or is it Dimetrodon, I or think is it Dimetrodon? Yeah. There is no consensus. Nope. It's tomato, whatsoever. tomato. Yeah. So nobody come after me for saying that wrong in the book, because I did my research. <laughs> and it was annoying. Yeah. <laughs> because nobody agrees on yeah. how to say that say that word. No, well, and there's a a wonderful TikTok of this lady who's English, and she was talking about how she grew up with um, Diplodocus, but we call it Diplodocus. Mm -hmm. So she was like, "What?" Yes, you have to also find an American person saying Mm -hmm. it because if you listen to a British voice say it, they will almost always have a different inflection. Yeah, hundred percent. And these characters are all American. Yeah, they grew up. Yeah, the. The story takes place up. here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. so, yeah, you yeah. bitch. I'm sorry. It, it's And it's especially funny because people know that I love dinosaurs, so they, like, quiz me about shit. And I'm like, I don't, I don't remember how to pronounce that. Mm-hmm. I, I don't use this word in every day. Or they'll be like, what does this dinosaur? I'm like, I don't fucking know. Like, well, <laughs> it's, it's it fine. It's a part yeah. of the job. But, like, when you, sure. like, literally there was one where it was four terms in a row, and I was like, 
You're allowed oh. to be mad at that. That's frustrating. Because they're like walking through a museum and it's like, oh, that and oh, that shit. and that and that. And I was That's like, right. God damn it. <laughs> Dude, I was, like, I was like, I have to remember all four. <laughs> like, because you can't split a sentence up and make it sound good. No. Yeah. So that was one of my challenges for today. Did you, did you feel me cursing your name in there? I, you know, I did feel a bit of a cloud over me today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> roofing. No. I'm like, something's wrong with the force. <laughs> <laughs> I feel a disturbance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That would be so tough. There was, there was a little bit of that. But anyways, the book is great. Yeah, and you should listen to that. it. <laughs> uh, if you're listening to this right now, it's out. Yeah. So go, go buy it. Go listen to it. Uh, the ebook and paperback should be available too. So yeah, mm-hmm. I, I will probably, when this airs, I will hopefully be in like, the cocoon of release day mm-hmm. where I like, I don't look onto the internet. Like I'll keep up with the Patreon stuff, but like I don't look at reviews. I try to stay off Facebook. I go into lockdown mode. Right. So it's literally me in like a blanket cocoon <laughs> snacking on things. And just every once in a while, I'll ask charity to like check on things. But for the most part, I try to just stay away mm-hmm. from everything. So yeah, you probably won't see me that day, but I'm there. Because are you just like guarding yourself from reactions? Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm guarding myself from, reactions which have never been negative so i don't know what the hell i'm expecting but i'm also i think guarding myself from my own preconceived disappointments like i will want it to hit number one and it won't happen Uh. and then i'll be sad and i'm like okay it doesn't matter you know what i mean like who cares about the orange banner it means nothing other than me going yay like i don't get extra money from it like why does it matter so but like i i've realized that i'll hyper fixate or i'll make the entire day just about watching all of that stuff instead of enjoying the fact that i came out with a book and just yeah being okay with that and and not t- like taking it as a win so yeah I what book my- is this for you this is like at least 15th right because uh, you had seven stallion ridge mm-hmm. and then this is the fifth yeah of this but you've also had ethan and jag yep and find the gem and wild contracts yeah oh and bullets and butterflies and, yeah so yeah that's 14 or 15? That's 15, right? That's 15. Yeah. This is your 15th book. That yeah. You that's pretty that's cool. In the world. Yeah. I should celebrate that. I should go get something really good to eat that day or something. Yeah. 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 Something good for lunch. Bullets and Butterflies was like the doctor one, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just making sure. I was like, yeah. wait, there was that other one that was part of like the larger. Yeah. The shared universe thing. Yeah. That one. Okay. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Book number 15. You yeah. really should. I, I hope that right now. As people are listening to this, you are out enjoying something delicious. Yeah, to that's my goal. That's, that's huge. Goal. Yeah, that's I'm, amazing. I'm I'm going to take it as a win. I'm going to be proud of myself for that. Good. Instead of being like, oh, it's only fifteen. I'm like, no, fifteen. That's awesome. That is fifteen more books than most people write. <laughs> that's true. In their entire lives. Yeah. Well, hell, so yeah, for sure. So yeah, I, I will I will make myself celebrate that day instead of trying to work on projects or do other <laughs> things, which is <laughs> like, no, just relax. Go get some ice cream. Good. Yeah. Good. Well, and while you're doing that, I will be out of state Mm -hmm. uh, preparing for my nephew's wedding. Um, So all of that is to say, dear readers Mm -hmm. and listeners, um, if something does go wrong on Friday, please be patient with us. It is the very first time we are releasing an audiobook through these new platforms. We don't know what nonsense might come up. And we are both 
dealing with other things yes. that day. Like it is a book release day for Maz. Right. It, I am away at a family function. Yeah. Um, so we will resolve things just as quickly as we possibly can. Yeah. Um, if issues arise, I am hoping that by stating this out loud and putting it into the universe, I am somehow <laughs> like this vigilance will stop it from happening. Right. Yeah. And everything will go smoothly because I anticipated it not going smoothly. Yeah. That's how my brain works. <laughs> I'm right there with you. I'm like, if I can get ahead of it and anticipate it being a disaster, then I'm not shocked when mm -hmm. it happens or I'm delighted when it doesn't. Are you ever really delighted though? I'm never delighted. When I'm everything... just like, the vigilance worked. Yeah. I better keep doing that. <laughs> yeah. I'll keep like obsessing over it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I guess delighted is not, not the right word. I'm, I'm relieved. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay, it happened. Yeah. So, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I would like to talk a little bit more about um, the audiobook publishing part of yeah. what we're doing. Mm -hmm. um, more information is now available about that on our website. Yes. Uh, this is our first audiobook, but we hope that it is one of many mm -hmm. moving forward. This new way of sort of crowdfunding audiobook production through yeah. the podcast and through our Patreon. Um, so if you are an author out there who has written queer fiction uh, and your book has not yet made it to audio uh, because of the stumbling blocks that are mostly financial, mm -hmm. mostly economical, uh, we hope that you will go check out our website, uh, hoofandfangpodcast.com forward slash audio. Uh, and just check out our proposition. Mm -hmm. um, and if you are interested, you can apply uh, to be perhaps one of our future monthly audiobook releases. Yeah, I'm really excited. Plus, I get you know to to proof it, so I get to listen to it early. So, mm -hmm. woo! <laughs> Give yeah. me more things to listen to. I'm excited about it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, more on that in the future. But mm -hmm. that information is now available. It is out there. We are doing this. Yes. Um, I can't just record your books forever. Because you're not writing one a month. I was about to say, if I could write faster, we could maybe right. <laughs> <laughs> write a book a month and just, mm -hmm. yeah, no, that would But that would also, that would go against our, our whole theory of the case. Right, in exactly. This, like our, our modus operandi. We want to be the people who are bringing uh, other people along with us for the ride. Yeah. If, if we were just constantly putting out our own stuff, I, I don't think we'd be as interested. I wouldn't. I mean, like, I, I love listening to my my stories when you narrate them, it's great. But like it, there's when I got to proof for you for a little while, just hearing all these different stories, all these authors that I had never heard of or authors who are my friends getting to listen to those stories is amazing. So mm -hmm. like we want to try to champion that and, and have a platform to where, you know, authors who don't get a chance to really make this happen, get a, get a stab at it finally, which is fun. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. So cool. Yeah. Um, I have a question for you. Okay. We talked a lot about work last yes, we week. Do. We're, we're going to talk about work a lot. It's part of our um, lives. Right. Uh, I left a job to do this. You're mm -hmm. still working a day job and doing this. Yeah. Uh, but I was wondering, aside from being an author, mm -hmm. what's the best job you've ever had? So I wrestled with this question because I think I've got too good You answers. wrestled with this question that I asked you sponta spontaneously? Yeah, just now. Podcast? In my brain. Okay. It, yeah. I have just, so quick. Yeah. Lightning fast <laughs> processing, even though I forget words in mid-sentence often. Uh, yeah. So I've got, I think, <laughs> stop laughing at me. Oops. Oops. <laughs> yeah. um, I've got two solid answers. I've got one where I was very fulfilled, like the job was fulfilling and I felt like I was doing something good. And then I have something that I just enjoyed because it reinforced my nerdiness of dinosaur stuff. 
So the first one, as I got to be a 911 operator for two and a half years, that job was very stressful and sucked for a lot of the time, especially when I had to train and was running off of, you know, 13 hour shifts and picking up extra shifts and stuff like that. That one was super fulfilling. So I got to like help people through the worst days of their lives typically. And so I would walk away from that job feeling like I was doing something good and actually helping people, even though it wore me out and I honestly couldn't go back to it at this point. Like if, if somebody offered me that job again with the hours and pay that I would, I wanted at the time, I would be like, no, mm-hmm. never again. It was, I'm glad I did it, but I will never do it again. But the other one that I, I would absolutely jump Before on. Before you move on, okay. I still think there's a, a romance series in that. Yeah, that would world. be fun. I think we've talked about it before. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that would be fun. Like to, to bring your personal knowledge to that job, mm-hmm. but also think of all the different first responders they could be falling in love with in I that know. little call center. Oh, dude, I was okay. So, where of course they're all queer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. It's not in a police station where everyone is rah rah guns and mm-hmm. such. Um, but yeah, no, I, I remember. <laughs> so they would give like, free flu vaccines and stuff at the police station. And I remember it was, I swear to God, out of like something, me or somebody else I know would write where I was standing there waiting to get my shot. And the officer who was trying to get his vaccination, his sleeves were too tight because he was fucking jacked. (laughs) And so the nurse was like, I can't roll your sleeves up because your arms are so beefy. Mm -hmm. So he had to take his shirt off to get a shot. And I just was just, I mean, do you want me to leave? Right. I don't like, I was just kind of like, I guess I'm going to stand here. Yep. And he didn't We're seem all medical to care. professionals here. Yeah, we're all professionals. Take off your shirt. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, he was just such a buff 20 <laughs> something. The scene, it's already written. Yeah, that really happened. So this poor man had to just be shirtless while everybody else was waiting for their shot. It was great. Mm-hmm. Um, copyright. Yeah, nobody copyright. Else, yeah. Can you that, can't sorry. use that. You have to ask for my permission first. <laughs> <laughs> it demands uh, like royalties from it. Uh. But, uh, yeah, so that was that was fantastic. But um, if I got to go back to another job that didn't wear out my mental health, for a tiny window of time, I got to be the social media coordinator for the study of pa- uh, Mongolian paleontology. So it is an institute that repatriates uh, stolen fossils back to Mongolia. Um, I've got a great story about Nicolas Cage and a million-dollar Tyrannosaurus skull that they won the battle over and were able to get it back. But um, I got to basically run their Twitter for a little while and it was totally unpaid. I did it just because I wanted to. Mm. And it was being able to connect with other science communicators and like museum coordinators and stuff. And it was just so fun. And they took me to SVP, which is the Society of Vertebrate Paleontology Conference that they do every year. Sure, sure, sure. And yeah, I got to go for free because I was like part of their press people. So I got to be at their booth and like schmooze with all these paleontologists that I know nobody else did. Like I got to meet Jack Horner. That's cool. You don't know who that is. I do. And I freaked out. So I got to like rub elbows with people who were in the field working on new cool classifications of stuff. I got to listen to all these presentations of people's work that they've been doing over the past few years before it goes into like um, before it's peer reviewed and stuff. So Mm -hmm. this is like raw data and shit. And it was just so fucking cool. So if I ever got to do something like that again, I would jump on it in a heartbeat. Right. But preferably getting paid. Yeah, this, this time. time getting paid because while mm-hmm. it was very, very cool to be able to go to um, Canada and for a weekend and do dinosaur things, I didn't get paid for any of that. It was yeah. all volunteer. But yeah, it was so fun. I loved 
loved it. That sounds amazing. Yeah, it was really cool. I got to do it for just under a year. And then they, I like, I got a new job. The hours were goofy and they decided to go in a different direction kind of thing. So I had to say like, okay, never mind. But yeah, it was great. What about you? Do you have a job that you like would want to pick up again if you got a chance? Like the best job um, you've had? I, I don't know that I could still do it. Okay. Um, and I think this is going to surprise some people. Okay. My favorite job I've ever done was being a camp counselor for an organization called Catholic Heart Work Camp. Okay. So uh, it is a service organization that organizes mission trip opportunities uh, for high school students all across the United States and a little internationally. Okay. Um, I went on one as a chaperone when I was a youth minister. Which Excellent. again, I don't think a lot of people know. I was going to say, I don't think me. a lot of people know about this. Uh, I used to be very Catholic uh, before having a real strong breakup with the Catholic Church. <laughs> I can't imagine why. <laughs> um, but I loved the mission trip. And so I applied to be on staff the next year mm-hmm. and was lucky enough to get selected. And I worked over two summers for this organization. Uh, and the way it works is you're basically like, like you're a, you're a mission trip organization, but you're also a circus, but you're also a Home Depot. Okay. So I, I was the <laughs> tools manager for my first year, and I loved that job because it was all about organization. Mm-hmm. It's all about knowing what projects are happening where all over the city and what like tools and materials that people will need to be able to do that and making sure they have what they need when they go out because typically they are being dropped off somewhere and they're staying there for six hours and then getting picked up. Oh, okay. There's no like running back and forth. Like they have to go out in the morning with everything they need. And then over the course of four days, they complete a project. Okay. So I loved that because it was all about organization. And then the next year I was a kitchen manager Okay. which is also all about organization, but also I got to be people's boss Ooh. and also food. Yeah, so, that's, that's like, like the trifecta yeah, of greatness. Like, yeah. It's probably one of the hardest jobs I've ever done, but I mean, I learned so much. Like I can throw a dinner party, <laughs> let me tell you, because <laughs> that's great. I have been in the food serviest of food service situations, which is it. catering to 400 people, three mm-hmm. meals a day. For seven weeks straight in seven different kitchens all across the United States. Like that's crazy. Rolling up in our big trucks, unloading all our tools, unloading all our, um, you know, kitchen stuff. Uh, And then also we are uh, the people who are offering the entertainment. Oh, okay. That's the circus part. That's the circus part. Ah, Because we also every evening put on like, you know, how mission like youth minister people do. Sure, sure, sure little performances and skits and mm-hmm. speeches. Uh, and I rock at all that shit. That's awesome. So like, it was such a perfect culmination of all the things that I was good at. Like I got to be on stage. I got to be organized. I got to like sort of commune with uh, other people my age, which mm-hmm. I didn't think I would like, but I ended up loving. Nice. Um, so yeah. And it was all, you know, for all its faults, mm-hmm. uh, the modern Christian era that we are in. Yeah. is imperfect um but i think the desire to be helpful um and i mean we weren't doing anything it's not like we were building houses in honduras or anything we were like going and helping like senior citizens in the community who like couldn't do a home project by themselves that's awesome and so through the church through the local church we found people who just needed help with stuff yeah so i thought you know that 
call to service was is one of the good things that comes from modern Christianity. And mm-hmm. so I liked being a part of that. Yeah. Um, and for the most part, the people were excellent because yeah. it's a rare teenager who picks up their life in the middle of summer and goes to do service work yeah. in other parts of the country. I think you have to have a, a certain kind of personality to go to that willingly. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, so yeah, that sounds like a very fun, like chaotic kind of yeah. thing, but like swept up in the madness and just have a blast with mm-hmm. it. So a, definitely stressful it sounds like it was stressful but one of those like maybe you you're riding the wave of stress because mm-hmm. it is just you're happily manning the boat right. like yeah well and it was also like i got to see so much of the country because yeah. unless we were so far from our next site that we had to travel in like for a full day in between mm-hmm. we usually had like one day off oh wow so okay. you could no matter what city you were in you got to go experience part of that city for like a few hours yeah so that's kind of cool yeah so yeah, you combine all that and it was a, it was a really cool job with really cool people um, for an organization that to the best of my knowledge still exists and is still doing good things and nobody's been sent to jail. Um, <laughs> Hopefully. And the yeah. internet will let me know if I'm wrong about that, right. but I think I would have heard about it. Right. So I don't think it's one of those things where like people go to a mega church and then years later found out that like the pastor was bonking an altar boy or something. Right, right. Um, <laughs> so... I think everything's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Optimistic. Optimistic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah that, sound that, fun, that though. was my, my favorite job. Yeah. And yeah. I have a pretty cool job now. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. It's hard to compete. But so. you know, the thing about my job now is it's very isolated and it's very like I'm, I'm in stasis mm-hmm. a lot. Like I, like I don't get up and move and do things. And I, I think my brain likes to do both. It likes to do quiet, creative projects and it also likes to get up and go build things. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's like, that would be tough to go back to at this point. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, like physically and mentally. Yeah, that would be tough. I'm not doing that anymore. No. There's, that there's a reason 20-somethings had that job. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I was like one of the oldest people at 25. So like <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was a senior going into it because I discovered it later in my, in my 20s. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think I was 25 and 26 when I worked. At Catholic Heart Work Camp, and I was like one of the old folks, so, <laughs> tenured and yeah, worldly. Yes. So. <laughs> ah, so that is our favorite jobs. Uh, we'd love to hear from our listeners what some of their favorite jobs have been yeah. throughout their life. Um, hopefully, it's the one you have now. That'd be That'd yeah, be really good. I, I wish that upon y'all. Like, yeah. that would be fantastic. Yeah. Um, I can't think of a transition into the interview. <laughs> yeah, no, it's hard to like come off of the wave of nostalgia and memories when it comes to things that brought you so much joy well mm-hmm. the interview brought us joy the interview brought us joy there you go it's you know what else brings us joy <laughs> <laughs> yes. talking to authors about their work yes uh so this week we are talking to the author duo mika nix uh mika nix is the combined paranormal alter egos of usa today best-selling authors of mm romance km newhold and mia monroe there were so many m's in that sentence yeah good job uh, as Mika, this dynamic duo plans to light fire to your Kindle with their series Drake Security, featuring swoony, brooding dragon shifter brothers as they discover their fated mates. Mm. Here's our conversation with Mika Nix. Mm. 
Joining us today, we have the author duo known as Mika Nix. Welcome to the podcast, Mia and Kyleen. Hi. Hi. Thanks, Thanks for, for having us. us. Oh, we're so excited to have you. Um, I guess I, I would like to just uh, find out, first of all, how you two teamed up, and then we can chat a little bit <laughs> more about your individual stories and in writing as well. Yeah. Um. Let's see. When did we become friends? A couple years ago now, probably, what, 2019? Um, I think we met, she had, Mia had reached out to me, um, just saying like, hey, I wanted to put together a really small author group on Facebook, kind of a support group. Um, and I think she just pestered me until we became best friends, basically. Pretty much what happened. <laughs> I just bold, I got a moment <laughs> of boldness and messaged somebody <laughs> that I didn't know, but I liked her writing. And so I said, uh, would you be my friend, basically? <laughs> And weirdly, she said yes. Yeah, and I was like, hey, you know what? Cool. <laughs> yeah, I had yep. started, because I was new in the genre back then. Um, and I wanted, you know how there's a big author group, but that's got, I don't know, a thousand people in it. And um, I'm not good at interacting in groups that big. So I was looking for a sort of a smaller community. Um, and I just went, at that point, I didn't know anybody, so I just went after people whose books I had already read that I liked and um, basically forced myself on them. <laughs> I think there's a meme where it's like yeah. most introverts are friends with extroverts because they, like, extroverts just like, adopt them in. So I feel like that yes. that's, that's you in that situation. Yeah, basically, basically, yeah. yeah. Yes, I'm actually yeah. um, a total introvert. But I can, I worked in corporate America for 30 years and I was a manager. Um, and so you have to kind of tuck that part away when you want to get something done. And uh -huh. I wanted to get something done. So I just went out there and started private messaging people like, hi, you don't know me, but I'm not <laughs> weird, mostly. And uh, do you want to be friends? Yeah, and I think our our relationship just kind of evolved from there. Um, we ended up alpha reading for each other. Um, so basically, we trade chapters every day when we write. And um, over time, it just kind of seemed like the natural next step. Like, hey, we get along really well. And we already, sh you know, are used to giving each other critique and brainstorming together and all that. Like, let's try co-writing. That's awesome. Yeah, so that, I think that was... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just saying, so you guys were both pretty <laughs> established at that point? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was. I. D she was definitely more established than I was. <laughs> I was. I was just writing my tattoos and temptations um, series, which is kind of the series that kind of got me out there a little bit more. And she had just started asking for an alpha reader for her um, for Bear's construction. Mm -hmm. And it was, it, it was for hardwood because that that yeah. book was giving me a lot of trouble. And so actually, in the little support group she had set up. Um, I made a post like, hey, has anybody in here read my Four Bears series and want of alpha read for me? And she was like, I can do it. <laughs> yeah. So I was just writing Fix Me, which was the second book. And it was my first daddy kink book. Um, and so I was like, well, this is good timing. And then she can give me feedback on, am I writing daddy kink well? And then uh, from that point, I think is where our, our friendship really blossomed more yeah. than just uh, kind of friendly acquaintances on on facebook mm -hmm. yeah well once you start critiquing each other's work you're either going to become best friends or worst enemies yeah, yeah i think there's no in between when it comes to <laughs> i was like looking to her i was like true oh, yeah. <laughs> true yeah 
I've got a, a dear friend of mine. She's not an author. She's just my alpha reader. And she has learned the recipe of being able to tell me what's wrong to where I don't just shut down. So she's always like, I yeah. love you. This is great. This is all wrong. Love you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> The I love you sandwich. <laughs> the I love you sandwich. Yeah. Yeah, like, I, I notice whenever I'm giving critique, I always have to like reread my message before I send it because it's always a lot of hedging words where I'll be like, maybe just a little bit. And, and I love it. But like kind of I sort of noticed that you were doing this just a little, not a lot, though. But you could maybe change it. Yeah. <laughs> I sort of noticed that maybe I your main sort, character's like, name changed in chapter four. Does he have a nickname? Right. You know, maybe. Really good maybe. reason for this, but <laughs> she's yeah, not really yeah. like that with me anymore, though, because we've been doing this for three <laughs> no. years now. So she'll just say, "Like, get more used um, to it." I think you yeah, could yeah. do better than that. <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> next. I'll go back. But like, Girl, that was not your best chapter. That wasn't your best. <laughs> Do it again. <laughs> I think you need a little more heat. I think you I think you were telling a little too much. I'm like, okay, I think. Yeah. Have yeah. you grown to appreciate that though? Oh, I I don't think I could write a book anymore without Kylie. Yeah. I yeah. think it would be very difficult for me to write without that feedback because mm -hmm. also too, which I think is an under uh underrepresented benefit of alpha reading is especially when the other person is a strong writer is that I think it makes me rise up to hmm. her standard which pushes me to be better that's definitely happened okay. in the co-writing process because I'm like well shit how I can you put this <laughs> damn bar for me to jump over I'm short I'm only five feet tall you know this is hard <laughs> but at the same time it's such an awesome challenge right like because you don't want readers to be jolted or jarred between POVs, right? So um, I have to kind of sit down and go, okay, this is what she did last time, damn it. So I got to try and summon that in me and then carry that over into my independent work too. So yeah. uh, I don't love it when she says, yeah, not not the best chapter. But at the same time, I'd way rather hear it from Kyleen than from mm -hmm. readers, right? Yeah. So yeah, so true. Definitely better than seeing those one star reviews. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck is this? Yeah, no, <laughs> I'd way rather hear it from Kylie and push myself during the process than later. Cool. So let's back up a little bit and learn. Like, how did you as individuals get started in writing? Um. So I've pretty much been writing just as a hobby my whole life. <laughs> um. Thanks to my lovely ADHD brain. Um just like always been a, a daydreamer. Um, and so I learned really quickly as a child that daydreams are even more fun when you write them down and create whole worlds around them. Um, but as far as getting into publishing, I was actually um, getting ready to graduate college and um, kind of quickly realized that every job I was applying for, I was going to be making the same or less money as I was making before I was $50,000 in debt. Um, and that was just a really bleak feeling. Um, and so I was just kind of in this like really low, difficult place. And I was writing a lot to kind of just escape that, you know? So I was just writing stories all the time, you know, all these stories saved that I hadn't really thought about sharing before. But um, the thought just kind of, kind of came into my head like, hey, it's something to do other than sit here and wallow and feel bad for myself. So I'm just going to publish and see what happens for fun basically um did not expect it to become a career 
definitely just wanted kind of that escapism of something else to focus on. But now here we are, seven, eight years later. So can't complain. <laughs> it was a good move. Cool. How about you, Mia? Yeah. Um, I would say it's similar in as far as the beginning is concerned. I've been a a, a doodler of stories. Um, when I was a kid, I used to take the stories that were already out there, like, um, I don't know, Goldilocks and the Three Bears, mm-hmm. and kind of fan fiction them and rewrite my own ending to them. Um, <laughs> and, but I, again, I never took it really seriously either because I am, uh, I'm very rejection sensitive and so i never intended to seek out agents or publishers um and then the game sort of changed back in what 2010 2011 time frame right um and i i won't name the book uh that kind of reignited the self-publishing world uh i think we all know what it is but i read that and thought well i could i could do that you know so um so i did uh, so I was MF publishing for uh, seven years before um, before a friend begged me to read a book uh, by N.R. Walker. And she said, you know, you're missing out if you haven't read Gay Romance. And I was like, okay, I'm always down for a book recommendation. And so I read it in like an hour and a half. I don't know how fast I gobbled up that <laughs> book, but I was like, oh, I have definitely been missing out on this world. Um, and so then I just sort of jumped in from there. I just started reading everything that uh, that I could get my hands on. I joined the MM Rex group and everything that somebody recommended, I was like, okay, I'll read that next. Uh, and then in 2019, I said, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tiptoe in and see if I can write in gay romance. And I never looked back and I never would. And uh, that's where we are now. Yeah, and I actually was similar. I started in MF as well um, until one day, I think I was just kind of hitting this reading slump and um, I didn't really write the kind of books that do well in MF. So, you know, Same. it was just for fun as I had expected. Um, but yeah, a, a recommendation came across my my Amazon um, and it was for a book about gay hockey players. And I was like, sure, I'll give it a try. And I pretty much, I scrapped the book that I was writing at the time and started writing my first gay romance and, yep, never looked back. <laughs> so the let's just jump right into it. So the question I had when I was just entering this genre and that I still get from people all the time is like, why does male romance appeal to women the way that it does? So what's your answer for that? You know, this is something that comes up so often. I have given a lot of thought to it. And I think that the number one reason is that women absolutely love romance, but they don't always want to see themselves in the story. Um, you know, I think a lot of people see that in a negative. Like, they'll be like, well, why would you want to read a book if you can't imagine yourself as one of the characters? But I think that's actually the appeal for a lot of people, a lot of cis women reading gay romance is they want the romance, but they don't want to relate to the characters. They just want to enjoy like the story. That sounds like a very male perspective. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, well, you can't even see yourself in the story. I just like, mean from, from the perspective of, you know, in, in straight romance, you'll have, um, just for example, like a subgenre of straight romance, curvy girl romance. 
that's great. A lot of women want to see themselves as that curvy heroine being swept off her feet. But a lot of women don't want to see themselves in the story being swept off their feet. They just want to enjoy a romance where they're not trying to put themselves in the character's shoes. I guess that's maybe more how I should have said it. Because, of course, you're still going to find the characters relatable. You know, maybe they have think in some of the same ways. Maybe they, they have some of the same life experiences. But um, more so that, yeah, you're not going to be trying to project yourself mm-hmm. into those characters. And I'm I'm generalizing with abandon. When I say men yeah. have a harder time doing that. But, like, <laughs> yeah. let, let's, let's maybe... Lean into the fact that women are emotionally mm-hmm. intelligent in a way that sometimes sure. men are not. Uh, and and so I, I think that you make a good point about the fact that, mm-hmm. like, you can still relate to the people just because right. they don't have the same body parts. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I think uh, I totally agree with that. I think there's a um, I think there's a societal thing going on there, uh, you know, in, in terms of um expectations of women in straight books uh behavior and societal standards that are absent in um male male i also think that one of the very nice things about male male romance is that there are no rules on um or expectations on how the men behave or emote um they don't have to be uh toxically masculine uh, they can be masculine in their own way. Um, there's no, there's no gender roles because, uh, you know, obviously you're you're dealing with uh, people that are te- most of the time the same gender or at least adjacent, and uh, so it kind of removes all of all of that power dynamic as well. And then I think from the aspects of of women who are attracted to males and male bodies um if if you like one then uh you probably like more of them (laughs) so you know if you like one dick you probably like two (laughs) you probably like four um so i think there's i think there's some of that too that um you know we find men attractive uh some some of us do so um there's a sexiness involved in seeing something you're very attracted to also falling in love and relating in a relationship the same way that you do. So even though you're not, like Kyleen said, you're not seeing yourself as the size two heroine in distress, you're seeing yourself as how you would relate in a relationship when you meet the one um, who just happens to come in a package that uh, doesn't challenge you or uh, trigger you in any, in any way. Yeah, definitely. You know, your point about the um, the gender norms, that was such a huge part for me of what drew me into gay romance because, um, you know, and not to say that all straight romance is that way, but it's certainly very prevalent and popular to have those toxic alpha males um, as the main character. And you you do find some of that in gay romance from time to time, but it's when you do find it, it's more intentional. Like it's written that way on purpose and not just because that's the expectation. Um, and of course, then you also have millions of books to choose from that don't have any toxic alpha males at all, which are much fewer and far between in straight romance. Yeah, I feel like we can have an entire episode just talking oh, God. about that. Like, that <laughs> really, really frustrates me. The last, like, mixed con that I went to that was uh, MF and MM. I was the only MM person there, which was great. Um, but it was like everybody was 
uh, MF biker romances and all like because I, I like went and shopped. I was at a book fair. What am I going to do? So I was like, hey. So I started like looking through all the backs and I was like, oh my God, like, do I need to call someone for you? Like, this shit's upsetting me a little bit. So yeah, no, I agree. The, there was a con like that I went to and, and there was an author talking about kind of like universal fantasies. And one of the big things she talked about was um, the fantasy of being kidnapped and taken away from your family. And I was like, oh, oh boy, I, I need so- to get out of here. <laughs> I remember you went like cannot relate. I need to go. Yes, I remember me and you went and got margaritas and uh, Mexican food like a, like two years ago, and you were telling me about this, and I was like, "Are you serious? <laughs> You've gone that far." Universal like, fantasy might be a strong word. <laughs> yeah, I would say so. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. 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 And it. Yeah, definitely. That That's exactly um, when I had said that I felt like I didn't write the kinds of men that were popular in straight romance. You know, I, I love to write my like goofy marshmallow guys <laughs> and they, they don't tend to fly as much in straight romance. In gay romance, it's a lot more embraced to see that kind <laughs> of stuff. Yeah. You're not alone in that experience. I've, I've been asked to narrate a few books uh, that are in the MF world. And first of all, I will say, and again, just my experience and it's, so it's anecdotal evidence, but like almost every time I get approached with uh, a book that is a male female romance, the first thing that I'm struck by is that like the writing isn't great. So I'm generalizing wildly, but like my, my experience having come up in the world of male male romance is that I was spoiled yeah. And like, There's I don't know what it is about, authors. I don't know what it is about this community. If it's just that you guys all help each other or that you share resources or, uh, if, if you're all just pushing each other to be better, but like the quality of writing, like I, like I haven't been asked to do a male, male romance. That's as bad as most of the male, female romances that people approach me with. Um, so sorry to anybody who's listening to this podcast who knows that I read their book and I said, no, cause it might've been. It might have been that. I think that's an interesting um, scenario because, one, I do think that there is a higher level of expectation of gay romance Mm -hmm. authors. And I think it's because of the OGs, like N.R. Walker. You know, Mm -hmm. I think it's people that, you know, set the bar high for the rest of us coming into it. And I think that because we write gay or queer romance, I think that... Um, overwhelmingly, I will say the majority of us that are in this genre care a lot about the message that we're putting out and that uh, we're representing the community uh, appropriately and respectfully. 
Um, and I will say that in MF, I think that one, it's massively bigger, right? Like I couldn't even quantify how much bigger it is. So there's a lot more competition, which means to be competitive, you're going to have to get them out there, right? And I don't think that that's an excuse for um, not editing and not developing your work as well as you could. Uh, I, I think you could fall into that trap in, in gay romance as well because our market is growing. Uh, but I will say that I, I think there's less um, expectation, if you will, on uh, MF, the genre of MF, than there is on the genre of gay romance. So you could probably get some people kind of slipping in there, kind of just throwing out books. Uh, and I, I'm sure it happens in our genre too. It's just that the readers here won't lift that book up, right? So they may grab it and read it and go, this, mm, no, and they'll just, it won't get recommended. It won't get pushed to the cream, you know, the top of the of the barrel. You're, you're not going to have uh, a gay Fifty Shades of Grey making millions of dollars. So let's put it that way. <laughs> Nope, never going to happen. Nope, nope. Never. Our community never. is real big on being like, wow, this is everything wrong with that because like there's, there's <laughs> yeah. such a, a thriving community. There's like, our community is awesome and wonderful as it is, but the the pockets within that community are powerful and growing. Like the Impreg, the Kink, um, Holly, like all of these really very niche communities are really, if you, they can be grading, but that I think is because we approach everything so carefully and try to be as respectful as possible those communities really elevate those stories up to the top but yeah if we tried to yes. sleep out like the 50 shades of gray we'd be like no it would not fly at all it's such a good point we really hold each other to higher standards i think than some yeah. other genres not just straight romance but i think um to yeah. your point of of the community in gay romance that really is something that drew me to the genre too um, just how tight knit yeah. it is and um, yeah, how we lift each other up and, and um, point out each other's shortcomings, you know, um, for example, when as a community, we all made that huge push to stop using the word um, clean when you're talking about HIV positive or not. Um, and that's something now you almost never see it in books in gay romance. And when you do, you know that it's either probably not a gay romance author or probably a very, very new author. Um, or an old book you know so it's thing or a very very old book um so you know it, it's just small things like that that i think as a community we really come together on to kind of raise the standard of the genre i agree with that too i know when i first came over people it was just when we were transitioning from using the phrase gay for you um and now we use we use bisexual awakening right um we don't use gay for you because you know queer people spoke up and said hey could you not um, and we listened. Uh, I think that, uh, to your point, Maz, too, like there's certain communities that sort of are adjacent to the queer community, like kinksters and BDSMers and polyamory people. And so they kind of end up in, in this community as well. And, um, and they'll speak up. And I think one of the reasons that they do is because we're listening. And I think that's something we can be really proud of as a genre is that we hear we hear what they're saying um, and we make take steps to honor that as a whole community. To that point, 
since it's my podcast and I can throw down if I want to. <laughs> um, I still think there are times when, even though we've changed the language to bisexual awakening, people are still writing gay for you. Yeah. And, and just throwing that out there is a challenge to any author who is approaching that that trope to just really make sure that it is a change in attitude and storytelling and not just mm-hmm. a change in language. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. I happen to feel like uh, bisexual awakening is my is my jam. Um, it's what I like writing the most in contemporary stories. Um, and the reason I like it so much is because I love the idea that your heart and the emotions that you have and the connection that you have for someone can transcend sexuality or what you thought you were. So... I really like that uh, that idea. And so I strive with all of my stories that I write like that, that it, it is about the connection and how that emotional connection can breed a sexual attraction uh, where you want to be with that person so much or you see how much of their life or how much of their personality connects with yours that all of a sudden you can imagine this future with this person and it awakens uh, something within you. And so I think if it's, um, I think that when you're writing the kind of story like that, I think that focusing on the connection and the and the emotion of it is why it's such a compelling trope, if you will. Um, and I believe it happens in real life and that less pe- more people would experience it if they shed labels and expectations of themselves well speaking of writing things that you love what got you guys into paranormal romance um you know i have always been a shifter kind of girl <laughs> actually the first romance i ever read um was um it's kelly armstrong it's mf um and i'm totally blanking on the series title but basically it's like werewolves and then as the series goes on they mix in other supernatural beings but the werewolves were my jam like i was a werewolf girl from that moment on um and it's you know we we go more with wolf shifters now because you don't have those same rules but um it's something that i've always wanted to do uh but just kind of got swept into contemporary and then for a long time didn't feel like I had the time um it also takes a little bit of courage always to kind of try to genre hop a little bit um and so it was something that that's been on my mind and been on my want to write list and so um after Mia made the switch to paranormal and we were talking about doing co-writing I was like well if we're gonna co-write <laughs> what a great chance for me to finally get to indulge my paranormal side <laughs> Well, and I know, Mia, you write, like, you, some of the other uh, book series that you have is, like, vampires, mediums, witches. So, like, you're kind of have written a little bit of everything as far as, like, the paranormal side. Yes. Uh, so, I was trying to not just write vampires, although I got to say that I just really like vampires. So, um, Hard I mean, yeah, what's not to like about a sexy gay vampire or a bisexual <laughs> one in some cases? Um, I'd prefer them bisexual, so I have a have a shot. But um, <laughs> imagine living for eternity as any kind of monosexual. Come on, yeah, like not boring, <laughs> unrealistic, zero out of five stars. <laughs> boring. Do not recommend. Yeah. So 
I mean, at some point, you're going to be like, let's try something else. <laughs> let's let's so, mix it um, up. <laughs> yeah, I am, a, I am a fan of vampires, and I like witches that have uh, actual magic, you know, um, outside of the realistic world that we presently occupy. So um, um, when I got the idea, it was... So I, I, have, I grew up in Massachusetts, and I lived in Salem for a while, and uh, it's weird to me that it took me so long to realize that I could do paranormal, but I think it's the same thing that I just sort of, I entered in contemporary and then I just kind of stayed there for a while. Um, but in the back of my mind, like I, I'm a huge interview with the vampire fan and I'm always, you know, I'm always attracted to anything, uh, you know, movie-wise or book-wise that's got some kind of element of magic or magical worlds or something like that. Um, and, uh, and then I read a book and, uh, shameless plug for Lily Morton's, um, on a midnight clear. It's, uh, I, it's, it's not, I don't think it's paranormal. Maybe it's magical realism. I don't know. It's a statue that comes to life if you've never read it, um, because of a fairy king's, uh, promised comes to life and, uh, they as fall they in, do, <laughs> yeah, as they do, it happens, yeah. um, and they fall in love, but they've gotten to like New Year's Eve or something to, to figure things out. But anyway, I was so swept up in this book and I picked it up because the cover is just chef's kiss. And um, at the end of reading it, I just thought, man, I want, I want to make somebody feel like Lily made me feel reading this book, you know, and, and I, I want to get caught up in something and write it so well that people believe it exists, uh, even though they can't see it or they've never experienced. So I'd really like to believe that somewhere, maybe in New Orleans, there are vampires walking around. Um, <laughs> maybe. But then um, you can't tell me mermaids don't exist. So, yeah, <laughs> I finally just decided I was going to go in and give it a shot. And uh, I really, really just love it. And so, um, yeah, when she brought up uh, when we decided to co-write again, she was like, what do you think about dragon shifters? And I was intimidated because um, I don't write shifters and I was, I was scared. But, um, but at the same time, I thought it sounded like a fun challenge. And the way we treat our co-writes is exactly that. We treat it as fun. And um, uh, I, so I thought, you know, yeah, let's, Let's go in and do that. So that's how we ended up as Mika Nix. I think, um, you know, the big, big appeal of shifters to me, because I do love vampires and, and the other paranormal stuff. But for me, in my heart, like shifters are kind of my my paranormal jam. Because um, I think it's, it's that like beast within, you know, it, it's that um, dichotomy between uh, the animal and the man. And it's just, I don't know, it's so perfect and so much fun to play around with. I can relate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was going to ask, can you tell us more about your your series and the the Drake security and the dragon shifters and the mythology of the world? And like, what did you create? Yeah. So Drake security is, um, it's kind of a growing universe. I think with every book we're writing in it, we're discovering a little bit more about um, the universe that it's set in. Uh, we started out with the idea that there's dragon shifters, um, no mpreg at all in this, um, and basically that they they live 
hidden from humans but mixed among humans. Um, and we, we knew there was going to be other paranormal creatures in there, but we just sort of said, let's see how it goes as it goes. Um, and, and just this idea of some really badass dragon security guards finding these faded mates who kind of bring out their softer side, I think. <laughs> yeah, definitely we wanted to have, uh, we wanted them to be in a position where their dragon skill set, if you will, would be useful. Um, so obviously in any kind of, you know, bodyguard or security situation, that's something that can come in handy. We wanted it to feel contemporary. Um, so like Kylene said, they're just mixed amongst us. And you wouldn't know unless you're also a paranormal creature that Any they are not. Any sexy man you see on the street could be a dragon. Just remember he that. could be a dragon or a wolf <laughs> or a vampire. Okay. So, um, and, and she's right. We do each book kind of introduce another, uh, another supernatural character or creature that we, uh, have decided to blend into that world. And I guess we figure like if one supernatural creature exists, then probably more do. Right. So, uh, so far we have what we have dragons, obviously we have wolves, we have vampires. I think we've mentioned a fae. We, yep, in, in Wildfire so far, that's what we're working on right now, the third book. Um, I know that a gargoyle has come up. Um, definitely oh, yeah. Faye have come up. And there is a flirty little merman who, who shows oh, up yes, also in Wildfire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and uh, it definitely, I think both of us really see this, um, our, our co-writing collaboration continuing on far beyond the Drake Security Series. So um, every new creature that we mix in i think we're both seeing it as hey this is a potential of something we could circle back to at another time um and just having fun kind of slowly building this world you know creating a sandbox we can play in for a long time to come <laughs> do you find it freeing or more difficult to write in a world that isn't simply just the contemporary world that we live in because you have to make oh, up free. a lot of, oh, you have to yeah. make up rules. Definitely free. free. It, it's, yeah. yeah. You could just be like, uh, what do we want to do about this? What do you think? Oh, how about this? You know, like sometimes we'll jump on and chat with each other, but. Yeah. One of my favorite <laughs> things about paranormal is the lube dilemma. Oh yeah. So condoms and lube, you never have to worry about it. <laughs> you never have to deal with condoms and lube when you're dealing with supernatural characters. They can, they, you can create whatever rule you want to exist. So. I have vampires that self-lubricate and they can't contract uh, human diseases or infections. So, of course, why would you? <laughs> yeah, because uh, there's got to be some benefits to being immortal, right? So, um, you know, for, for that's one thing that MF romance has on us is that they, they um, you know, don't always have to be concerned about lube, but we do. Mm -hmm. And yep. so with, uh, in the paranormal world, we can just kind of make it work for us all the time uh and so that's i think that's really fun it, it's also a lot of fun um you know i've written 60 plus contemporary books um and i am i'm definitely an author who loves to write sex scenes like absolutely loves it do not dread it um one of my favorite parts of the process but of course there's only so many ways that you can write people having sex right you try to find other ways to spice it up um, and the fun thing about paranormal is there's even more fun ways you could spice it up. <laughs> like yeah. in Hothead, um, there is a scene where uh, the dragon shifts his tongue to do a little bit of 
fun licking. <laughs> Internal licking? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he rims him with his dragon tongue. And so, <laughs> dragon lingus. Dragon lingus. Dragon um, lingus. I just, I just remember, like, I was sitting at my computer and the thought came to me and I, I am positive this is my face. I was like, this is what I'm like. I was just so excited. <laughs> it's, it's so much fun just to like be able to roll with any of those wild ideas that pop into your head um, because you get to make up the rules. Yeah. I, and you get to make up the, the rules of the world too. So even though it's a contemporary setting, um, in their little part of the world, it's not. So, you know, we have dragons that go for an afternoon flight and go lay out in the sun and bask like a lizard um you know in their dragon form and they can do that so even though the world around them is is contemporary and people are going to their jobs in the bank and all of that their world is still kind of got this magical element to it um and the contrast writing the the contrast is really fun in the first two books they the dragon the dragons fell in love with humans and so um seeing their world through the through the human's eyes was really fun because you don't want to give it away obviously right away plus neither of them would even think for a second that dragons exist i mean it that's not where your brain is going to go even when you see something that doesn't make sense your brain doesn't go gee that looks like a dragon it's going to go that was that was weird like what is you're that? like where's that smoke came coming from Do yeah you have a cigarette that i don't see what's yeah. going on <laughs> and he's like what smoke you know <laughs> meanwhile there's smoke <laughs> but um you know so it was really fun to play with uh play with that aspect of it too versus uh two regular mortal guys in a contemporary situation has to be a little bit more you know realistic you're more focused on dialogue and things like that versus puffing smoke accidentally out of your notes yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that said we're also having a ton of fun um we're working on the third book now like i said and um in the third book he is uh falling in love with a wolf shifter um which is fun because there's been some animosity in the earlier books between um other paranormal species and dragons because dragons are kind of very self-important and <laughs> pompous <laughs> so they're not the most popular in the the paranormal world that we've created um, so that's been fun to kind of have a little bit of conflict on that aspect, but also, um, you have two different paranormal creatures, both with their own inner beasts and kind of letting out their wild sides together, um, which has been really fun to play around with. Thanks to Mia and Kyleen for taking the time to chat with us. Uh, the third book in their Drake security series, Wildfire, came out in June, and it's available now in paperback or ebook. K.M. Newhold's latest title, Daddy Cam, sounds Ooh. interesting, uh, came out September 1st. Uh, and the fifth book in her Big Bull Mechanics series drops in November. Subtle, K.M. <laughs> Subtle. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Mia also participated in the Faded Mates anthology series, which I think we talked about with uh, Kiki Clark. Yes. Uh, so that came out September 1st. Uh, and if you're listening to this episode on the day it is released, Mia's latest book, Calculated Chaos, is out today. <gasps> We're release day twinsies. Release day twinsies. That's exciting. So yeah, go check all of that out. Um, and you can find all the ways to connect with them in the show notes for this episode uh, we'd also love it if you reached out to us. Feel free to reach out via any of our social media channels or email us at hoofandfangpodcast at gmail.com. 
Our website is hoofandfangpodcast.com, where you can also find a link to our Patreon page. Uh, or you can search Hoof and Fang Podcast at patreon.com. Subscribe to support the podcast and get access to bonus content. Yes. Which is already out there. Mm-hmm. People are already enjoying it. So yeah. and more it to come. Out. More to come. Thank you so much for listening, and we will chat at you next week. Yep. See you then. Bye. <laughs>